Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Amen. Are you believing for favor? Are you believing for breakthroughs? Are you believing for signs and wonders and miracles? The world says don't get your hopes set high. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> the Bible says get your hopes up. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. And so we got lots of hopes. Positive expectation. That's what hope is. Positive expectation. And uh, so thank God for all of these uh, attributes and qualities. Uh, we're uh, glad that uh, uh, we are in the Fit for Life room today. If you're watching by Zoom, anybody Zoom, Zoom, Zooming with us? Already two people. Hello, Zoom friends. Uh, we're in the Fit for Life room today uh, because God wants us spiritually fit for life. Uh, and part of that is the Torah study. And part of that is turn your phone on silent. Excuse me while I do that. Praise God. So, yeah, and uh, in today's study, it's an amazing study, uh, in Exodus 25 through Exodus 27, Torah study number 19, uh, God um, begins to describe the building of the tabernacle. And he lays out to Moses some detailed contractor architectural uh, plans for Moses and the people to build me a house where my presence can reside. And uh, so that's our study today. And how many of you know that uh, what God does in the physical, there's always a corresponding spiritual side of things. So when you see something going on in the physical realm, uh, you can also, Holy Ghost, show me what's going on in the spiritual realm. And that can be in the macro the big picture, but it can also be your picture. God, what does this mean for my life, and how do I translate the things that are going on uh, uh, uniquely in my life uh, and make something positive out of it? Well, uh, everything just keeps turning up lemons. Well, Holy Ghost, show me how to make lemonade. <laughs> and build a stand, and have people come and, and pay $5, $20, $100, just so into my life in big ways. Amen. So uh, today uh, we're going to talk about seven building blocks for success in life. And it's all wrapped up in the building of the tabernacle. Uh, I read a fascinating quote earlier uh, that Genesis begins with God creating the universe. And he created the universe as a home for human beings. How many of you know there's only one race? The human race. <laughs> and God made the human race, and uh, it's our job to figure out how to go Rodney King. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> and uh, that's been quite a problem because we like to go tribal on one another. Uh, but God created the universe as a home for the human race. But Exodus ends with human beings creating a home for God. And we're going to get into that a little bit. This home is the tabernacle. In Hebrew, it's called the Mishkan. Say that, Mishkan. The Mishkan... Uh, that God commanded Moses and the people to build uh, has some key takeaways. Uh, because the revelation that God gives in building 
The physical tabernacle is also a blueprint for how to build a spiritual tabernacle. Amen? How many of you know the scripture? You can turn over there if you have your Holy Bible, 2 Corinthians 6.16. In 2 Corinthians 6.16, it says, You are the temple of the living God. What a, what a powerful statement. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God. And everything that embodies God is already in you. Amen. All those attributes of the divine nature have already been sown in your heart. And it's our job to cultivate those things. And so God wants us to look at the building of the physical tabernacle as a blueprint for how to build a living tabernacle. Praise God. That's good news. So God instructs Israel, Moses and Israel, the people, to bring a share of the wealth that they receive from the Egyptians. How many of you remember that when Israel left Egypt, they left with Egypt's wealth? Now, you know, we all love watching uh, Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments. It'll be coming on at the end of March. They play it every Easter, every Resurrection uh, week. And uh, it shows people just kind of barely making it. And there were people probably that were infirmed and, uh, because of slavery. But imagine if you were a slave and just suddenly you had wagon loads, uh, backpack loads of gold and silver and everything else that was valuable. And the Egyptians were just handing it to you on the way out. Here! Here's a million dollars! Here! <laughs> Just get out of here. <laughs> they probably should have said, whatever your God is doing, I'm with you. And some did. But all of that wealth, some of that was meant to build the tabernacle. And that, we won't get into all of that when God says bring an offering. But that's what going to work is all about. Building a career is all about. Amen. That uh, some of that wealth that God puts in your hands would go towards building the kingdom. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, and you all got a massive tithing record. I haven't checked, but I'm sure it just is when you fill out your IRS income tax and you get to the charitable contribution. It's just like, wow, I didn't know I gave $10,000 this year. Thank you, Jesus. Why would you thank Jesus that you gave $10,000? In the natural, someone will say, well, now you have $10,000 less. But a spiritual mind says, no, those are 10,000 seeds that I have sown into God's kingdom. And his word says that it'll come back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. Well, it doesn't happen for me. Well, probably I can tell by the sound of your voice, you don't have much faith. You don't have much positive expectation by the sounds of your voice. So maybe you ought to work on that. Amen. And we'll get to how you work on that in building the tabernacle. You're a living tabernacle. And so when God gives these instructions, uh, each of the holy artifacts has a meaning. Each of the holy artifacts in the tabernacle uh, have a, a, a spiritual significance. They're historic, they're biblical, but we can apply what God shows us through Moses and Israel way back then as to how he wants things to happen now. Uh, and so uh, it, it begins with the outer gates. And how many of you know, and we'll get in more in depth with this, that we approach the Lord with praise and thanksgiving. We don't approach the Lord uh, seeking pity. We approach the Lord seeking blessing. 
He is a gracious father, rich in grace and mercy. Well, I never was taught that. Well, you know what? Open your Bible. Hallelujah. Or go online and type in scriptures that teach about the goodness of God and see how many there are. And then just read those again and again and again until that's what gets in your spirit instead of whining and complaining. We enter uh, the outer gates with praise and thanksgiving. Number two, in the tabernacle, the artifacts, the second thing as you enter the gates, number one, number two is you see the brazen altar. And this is the place of the sacrificial offering. This is where sins are forgiven. Amen. How many of you are perfect? How many of you never sinned? How many of you have no need for forgiveness and repentance and changing your ways? Well, uh, uh, I'm, uh, I've been serving the Lord for 20 years. I got it all covered. <laughs> okay. Let anybody okay let's we're all going out to the baptistry and watch you walk across the baptistry <laughs> see if you walk on water or sink that'll be the test so uh and and that uh, again these are building blocks this is the foundation of what we're building our life on praise and thanksgiving knowing that the power of the blood forgives every sin, breaks every curse, and reconnects us to every promise of God. Amen? How many of you like the sounds of this so far? How many of you want to go back to a Latin service in a cathedral somewhere and just hope you make it? <laughs> the third thing is the laver, the copper laver, the big giant wash basin. And this is where... Uh, the, uh, the priests would wash. It's the place of baptism. And as we know, uh, baptism uh, is where curses are broken, where there is a washing of our spirit and our soul from all the negativity that was sown into our lives. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about baptisms. Uh, well, I got baptized as a baby. Good. Hallelujah. Did you get baptized last Yom Kippur? Do you have uh, a, a, a water pitcher a, uh, uh, in your, and you, like I did this morning, and you wash your hands, and it's a spiritual event where you're, God cleanse my soul. Just remove all the negativity so that as I study your word, I, uh, I have a clean filter. Amen. Amen. Table of showbread, number four, where every need is met according to God's riches and glory. Number five, the menorah is another one of the artifacts that uh, shows us God's wisdom and revelation, his anointing, his knowledge. He wants to release that in our lives. I don't know why so many Christians think we're not supposed to be educated. Amen? Well, education is somehow bad. Well, maybe that's where the struggle is in a lot of church folk. Is there, we're just coming to church and getting all hyped up, but we're not learning anything. Gosh, how horrible would it be to go to church for one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, and you're still an inch deep? I don't know much more than John 3.16, and now I lay me. Man, what, to me, it's church malpractice for a church not to be teaching the living word of God and how I can apply that word to have breakthrough in my life, to build my life where the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. Amen. Number six, the uh, altar of incense. Uh, the golden altar right outside uh, the Holy of Holies. This is where the prayers go up to heaven. 
This teaches us about the power of intercession. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that happens in many ways, but especially in prayer. Number seven, the holy of holies. This is God's throne. In the uh, temple and tabernacle times, this is where the Ark of the Covenant was. The presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. And no one could enter into the Holy of Holies and get that close to the presence of God except the high priest, and only he could do it once a year. Well, you might say, well, that seems stupid. No, that's the way God planned it. And he's trying to tell us that my presence is a special thing. And it's not to be taken lightly. And that we need to honor and respect and admire and adore the presence of God. Covet the presence of God in our lives. That's the ultimate goal. Amen. And so thank God it's a throne of grace as we learn in Hebrews. And we could go on and on, and I'll try to get in depth on these just a little bit more. But in Exodus 25, 9, uh, God speaks to Moses, and he said, make this tabernacle and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in that little discussion, the fly on the wall, when God is describing in detail? You know, I think there's like 16 chapters on the building of the tabernacle. There's only a couple chapters on creating all of heaven and earth. There's more chapters about building the tabernacle than there is on a lot of other major topics in the Bible. And so what God has to say here is so, so important. And he tells Moses, there's a pattern. And I want you to follow the pattern exactly like I say. Don't try to invent something on your own. And so each of these seven uh, artifacts, these sacred objects that I've described, uh, reveal behind the artifact uh, part of the height and the width and the depth and the breadth of the love and the grace and the mercies of God. Aren't you glad God is full of grace towards us? Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is, is not getting what you do deserve. <laughs> And so thank God for grace and mercy. But within the tabernacle, God is giving us a vision on how we draw closer to his presence. All right? He's giving us a pattern of worship and service. And it still applies today. Well, why are you studying that Old Testament stuff? Because there's some wisdom there. There's a pattern there. I want to know the pattern. God has a model. God has some methods. And, uh, and so he designed these seven special physical locations to point us to some spiritual things. Even in Hebrews 8. Well, that's Old Testament. Okay, go to Hebrews 8, 5. You New Testament man of God, woman of God. In Hebrews 8, 5, speaking of the tabernacle, talking about the days of old, they serve in a system of worship that is only a copy. It's a copy of the pattern in heaven. It's a shadow of the real one in heaven. So if we learn the pattern of what God has given us on earth, we can connect better with heaven. Who hates that idea? Well, why would I want to connect with heaven? <laughs> Maybe because that's uh, the best way to do it. And so when Moses, it goes on, was ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him a warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern. 
that I have shown you here on the mountain. So why is that important to us? Let's not invent things. At least if you're going to invent something, at least have the foundation, the building blocks, the knowledge of the building blocks in the Bible, the pattern that God gave as the foundation for running off on this tangent or that tangent. Are we okay? God's giving us a pattern and a process of redemption. And he designed that for us to follow. And when we apply it, especially with consistency, that seems to be uh, one of the keys, isn't it? Consistency, right? Too many roller coaster Christians, right? We're up, we're down, we're up, we're down, we're up, we're down. My gosh, you're a sick, walking six flags. And look, I was a walking six flag when I got started. March uh, 11th, 1984 is when my journey started. And those first two years, I was a mess. Uh, but I uh, told myself, and the Holy Spirit working in me told me, you are going to apply yourself. You have been an irresponsible dork a jerk, uh, all American sinner living your life for 17 years, chasing all the wrong things. Now you're going to turn all of that energy, all of that craziness, all of that uh, uh, enthusiasm for serving the devil and living in sin. You're going to turn all of that. You're not going to get rid of it. You're going to, I'm going to help sanctify it. And you're going to be so on fire for God But I needed some building blocks. And I'm so glad. I've only had two churches since then. I had our first church in Seattle, uh, a great pastor in Seattle at Christian Faith Center, Pastor Casey Treat. You might have seen him from time to time, the red-haired preacher. His uh, theme and message was built around renewing the mind. Uh, I needed that church because they were built out of uh, um, the, uh, they, all of the uh, inner circle were ex-drug addicts. <laughs> and they all were uh, in a place called Washington Drug Rehabilitation Center. And the leader, Julius Young, who became uh, my mentor and uh, teacher during two years of Bible college, uh, he uh, would use all of his biblical therapies to snap these drug addicts out of their drug addict behavior and sow into them Bible principles that would allow them, and they all, uh, I'm still good friends with many of them, and they're all still serving God all these years later, because you have to have a firm foundation. And if all you got at the beginning is John 3, 16, hallelujah. I didn't have much, but I was determined. And the devil was determined to stop me, but I was more determined. I will not be stopped. I will not be moved. I've lived 17 years the devil's way. I'm going for God. I have decided to follow Jesus, and I will not turn back. Amen. Now, some of you might not know what white knuckle sessions are. <laughs> When you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. I had to hang on Sloopy for a couple years. And uh, it, it, took, it took a couple years for God to untangle the mess. That's what frustrates a lot of Christians nowadays is when they encounter all of these negative things and the past comes up and the devil rears his ugly head and uh, this, that, and the other thing, uh, uh, people get discouraged. And they give up. They throw in the towel. Well, this must not be for me. No, that's the devil trying to stop you, and you need to fight back. And if you don't know how to really put up your dukes and fight back in the spirit, find a prayer partner that does. Yeah. Amen. 
And that's why for me, uh, when the church doors flew open, we flew in. We were, th this was back in the days where you had two services on Sunday morning. And between the two services, you had Sunday school. So we went for everything, right? For years and years, it was uh, get there at 8 o'clock. The first service there started at 8 o'clock. We lived in North Seattle until we moved. It was a 35, 40-minute drive. I was driving a beat-up old car, and uh, it just, we did, uh, you know, th three cans of tuna for a dollar was, that just made my day. Hallelujah. We didn't have much money, but we had a love for God. And uh, all of these things, we could go on and on. But then we had Wednesday service. Then there's always something going on on Saturday. Uh, I forgot to mention Sunday night service. <laughs> uh, we always, so every time there was an event or uh, activity or a church service, we were there. Why? Because I knew what I had come through. I knew what it was like hugging the bathroom bowl <laughs> and wondering what the heck. I was a functioning alky that loved to snort and smoke, and I lived for 17 years that way. Uh, so I needed some advanced therapy. Now, you all were walking on water, and you don't need that extra uh, stuff. Uh, I needed all the extra I could get. And uh, it, it paid off. Finally, I, you know, six months into this, I said, you know what, I'm going to Bible college. Isn't that, Lorraine, you just decided, you know, I'm going to Bible college. I'm going to get some more. I, uh, if, if you think ignorance uh, is, uh, if you think education is expensive, try ignorance. <laughs> so, uh, uh, God uh, shows us through the tabernacle and later through the temple how he wanted in that physical building, uh, he wanted that to be a permanent resting place for his presence. But that was never the ultimate goal. Look at Exodus 25.8 where God says, let them construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. In Hebrew, the great Hebrew Jewish teachers say there's actually a, a little bit different translation. And it says, let them construct a temple for me that I may dwell within them. So even from the days of Exodus 25, the expectation was that God would dwell within his people, that he would write the words of God on our hearts, and from the inside out, we would sense and feel the power, the presence, the promises of God. Doesn't sound like legalism. All oh, those Jews are just a bunch of legalistic. No, they understand a whole lot, even more than most Christians understand. So, yeah, to this day, we have to understand the church is much more than a building. I'm going to church. No, you are the church. <laughs> right? And it becomes a mindset, an attitude. Uh, a spirit within God's people that I have the presence of Almighty God, the Shekinah glory of God in my heart already, which is, isn't that what we, Jesus come into my heart. Well, what does that mean? It means that the power, the promises, the presence of God resides within us. And because it resides within us, we need to see ourselves as many tabernacles. And so all the artifacts that God revealed to Moses and said, build this after that pattern, we need to be looking at that. What does that mean for me today? And how do I build? What do I do? How do I apply certain things in my life so I have a firm foundation? Look at 1 Peter 
1 Peter 2.5 says, You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Praise God. All of these scriptures that we've talked about is showing us that it's God's will to build us up spiritually. So God is saying, I need a willing partner. <laughs> will you be a willing partner? Now I'm preaching to the choir, you're here, you're a willing partner. But how many people, I, I, I want to give God 45 minutes to an hour on Sunday, uh, and halfway through the service, I'm already thinking, should we go to salt grass or papados? <laughs> My mind is on papados. Or we're sitting in church, boy, I sure wish so-and-so was here to hear this. Ever think that one? I sure wish so-and-so could hear this sermon. We'll buy them the CD later, but you go ahead and say, I'm here because God's got something for me. There's something in my life that God has, and I'm here to hear the sermon. And bless God, I'm going to get every single bit of it I can get. And so these building blocks are what will maintain the presence of God in our life. This, the building blocks are what turns us into more than conquerors. How come I can't be more than a conqueror? Well, you're telling on yourself. You're telling that you don't have a firm foundation yet. And if you don't have a firm foundation, go to school. <laughs> when the church doors fly open, fly in. And when you're at home, put the Bible on. I, I only have it on uh, cassette tape. <laughs> But I still have it after all these years. The Old and New Testament all on cassette tape by, uh, I think it's Alexander Scorby. Remember that name? Anyways, you can, you know, whatever you got to do, go the extra mile. And hopefully you uh, get the right teacher speaking into your life. Someone who will teach you how to drive out the devil. Instead of talking about how the devil keeps meddling, devil, 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 devil. In the name and by the blood of Jesus, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Amen. Right? How do I drive out the devil? Submit to God, resist the devil, push back. And he will flee. How many of you uh, like the idea that God has given you the authority and the dominion to drive out fear? Amen. False evidence appearing real. Fear. False evidence appearing real. How about driving out depression? When's the last time you smiled? When's the last time you started dancing in your seat there during the praise and worship and got your move on? Praise God. Why you got your move on? Because God is working in my life. He inhabits the praises of his people. And I want him to inhabit my life and I want to be a living tabernacle that welcomes the presence of God and I am not ashamed of that. So all of this just doesn't happen at the snap of a finger, right? Some of it requires some demo. We remodeled our kitchen. Been saving for a couple years because we just basically are on the good plan. When it comes to finances, you know what the good plan is? Get out of debt. <laughs> the good plan. So uh, uh, we, we have one credit card. Maybe Lydia has a second one so we can rent a car. And, but we don't live by credit cards. Amen. Yeah. And uh, uh, we don't like to get, I, my car is a 2012 uh, Cadillac. So it turns uh, uh, 12 years old this year. 
<laughs> why, well, why don't you drive? Because I don't want a uh, $700 car payment. <laughs> I want that money for my retirement. I want that money uh, to build a nest egg. I want to be able to leave an inheritance to my children's children. That's why we did, you know, we were thinking about downsizing and moving, uh, but we had such a low interest rate and so much equity. I said, well, where are we going to go? Then I'm going to pay uh, five, six percent. I think our interest rate on our home is like 2.75 or something. And uh, we've been there for 20 years, but uh, we refied to get that. Uh, but uh, uh yeah, uh, the uh, I, I don't want like uh, to pay like it just and inflation's going crazy. People are paying twenty five hundred dollars for a two bedroom apartment. I think that's why Sasha lives with us, my <laughs> Sasha, my grandson. <laughs> Every time she goes and look at oh Lord, help us be empty nesters, please Lord. <laughs> I want to be an empty nester again, Lord. Uh, and then Sasha goes out and looks for an apartment, and it's like, uh, uh, you know, $2,100? Like, what happened to the days of $1,200? <laughs> so, yeah, but we've been believing God with her for increase, and she's been getting promotion. She works down in Dallas for the uh, pension fund, Dallas Pension Fund, and they keep elevating her and promoting. She's gotten three promote. Now she's like some executive secretary. And so yeah, uh, she she has uh, in many ways daddy's personality. My son has Lydia's personality, and she has my... Per I'm glad she doesn't look like me, though. Holy... <laughs> Anyways, uh, we, so we had to demo. And demo means our kitchen. We had to demo our kitchen, and, and we saved up for it. But when we were demoing the kitchen, you know, some things had to get tore out. And that's what God has in mind. That Christians would allow the master contractor, the master builder, the master architect tell you what things in your life need to be taken out. And so, uh, have you ever watched No Demo Reno? <laughs> God, God's doing a demo so that you can have a reno. <laughs> he wants to renovate your life. And this is where the tabernacle comes in. So let's look at these real quick. Uh, we've touched on them, but the eastern gate. In the tabernacle, you came through the east. That's the gate of the Messiah. Uh, back when they finished the temple, you could come through many of the gates. But back in the tabernacle, there's one gate. The eastern gate, the gate of the Messiah. And Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courtyards with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. That's If, if you never got anywhere but that, that'll change someone's life right there. Turn from being uh, uh, having a heavy spirit to a happy spirit. Well, how do I do that? Trust in the Lord. Stop relying on your feelings. Stop letting your parents tell you how to feel. Unless they're godly parents that are sowing good things. But I'm finding that not every parent is sowing the right things into their grandchildren or adult children. And some, some people can go to a family event and it is just a, a downer. Because people are just spewing and speaking all of this negativity. And it's just worldly, carnal. And it's like, where the heck am I? <laughs> so that's the first building block. Developing an attitude of praise and thanksgiving. And sometimes it means in the main service, you got to sing the loudest. 
and you got to put the biggest smile on your face and you got to get animated and you got to get some put some motion into your life to create the right emotion that motion will create some emotion and you need emotion, praise and thanksgiving. And here's the trick. You do that before you see the signs, wonders, and miracles. Right? That's a sign of our faith. When your praise and thanksgiving is before you see it. Blessed are those who believe without seeing, Jesus told Thomas. And look, that was Israel's main problem, murmuring and complaining. So they needed to, 40 years to learn that lesson. I hope it doesn't take us 40 years to learn those lessons. Amen. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Amen. present your request to God. How come my prayers aren't being answered? Well, back up a few words. Is there any thanksgiving? Uh, are, are you presenting your petitions and prayers like a worry wart, like Debbie Downer or Donnie Downer? Got to check that stuff out, and God may have to, uh, he'll need your permission. God, do a demo on that part of my attitude. Amen. Amen. Moving on, the brazen altar. As we talked about, a place of sacrifice where sins are forgiven. Why live in condemnation the rest of your life? Why live, I wish I woulda, coulda, shoulda, the rest of your life? God doesn't expect you to live with regrets and beat yourself up and just look at everything like uh, you made a complete mess. Well, you probably did make a complete mess of it. <laughs> But at the same time, God is a God of forgiveness. He's a God of redemption. He's a renovation God, a restoration God. So from this day forward, move, in, uh, move forward in God saying, thank you, God, for restoring, for rebuilding into my life all the principles that will make me a success. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 1.7, God is so rich in kindness, so rich in grace, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Thank you, Lord. And now that we're forgiven, now because of the power of the blood, which is all represented at the brazen altar, now we're overcomers. I don't feel like an overcomer, but you are. Now you are more than a conqueror. I don't feel like I can conquer any. I can't fight my way out of a paper bag. But with Christ you can. You're supposed to identify now with what Christ has done. Not with your own weaknesses and shortcomings. God will work on that with you. And you'll get all of that sorted out. But in the meantime, fake it till you make it. <laughs> Amen. Another aspect uh, that's often overlooked is the need to incorporate sacrifice into our lifestyle. A lot of times Christians don't like that S word. <laughs> sacrifice? You mean you expect me to inconvenience myself? <laughs> yeah. There's times when you have to just uh, go from being self-centered and self-serving to Christ-centered and Christ-serving. And if it means that you can't uh, spend extra time shopping Amazon or heading to the mall, so be it. Well, I don't want to go to that men's breakfast. I don't want to come out on a Thursday night to ladies' night out. I don't want to. I don't want to. You ain't going to get ahead with the I don't want to speech. Two-thirds of God's name is go. So let's get going. Amen. And as it says in Romans 12.1, I exhort you, church, in view of how God was so merciful to you to save you out of that pit of darkness, 
Offer yourself up as a living sacrifice. And be willing to do whatever God has called. Whatever you're feeling in your heart, I need to do that. This will please the Lord. And he says, it's logical temple worship for you in the complete Jewish Bible. It's temple worship. This is what we're talking about today is that tabernacle temple worship. And, and being willing to make some sacrifices is part of the deal. Amen? Number three, the laver, the third building block. That large bronze bowl filled with water to wash your hands and feet before ministering. It represents the form of baptism. It represents breaking curses. It shows us that if we want to live beyond the reach of harmful and destructive lifestyles, we need to be washed daily. Wash ourselves, our spirit, our soul by the water of the word, Ephesians 5 teaches us. Amen? And so that's uh, the, the kind of the thing on brain. Uh, you go to that church and they're brainwashing you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My brain was so filthy with things from the world, it needed to be a, a good scrubbing. Bring in more comet. We not only need soft scrub, we need hard scrub. <laughs> Where's the Brillo pads? <laughs> Number four, the table of showbread, the fourth building block. And basically, this reveals God's desire for us to have abundance. Amen. There were 12 loaves of bread on the table of showbread at all times, representing the 12 tribes. And in ancient Jewish wisdom, they stayed fresh all week until the next Shabbat. And that reveals a divine flow of God's prosperity and material abundance. Number five, the, the menorah. God's lampstand, God's candelabra made of pure gold with seven branches. And the, the pure gold represents perfection. And the, the flames uh, on uh, the menorah represent God's wisdom, God's counsel, God's revelation, God's knowledge, all, God's anointing. All of that is available to us. But it's not available just because you're you. They're available because you go the extra mile to dig into the Word of God and find out what does the Lord say about this issue, that circumstance, about how to move forward in this area or that area. Proverbs 3.13 says, Joyful is the person who finds wisdom. Why? Because you stop making the same stupid mistakes. <laughs> you gain understanding. It's more precious than a big bank account, although we like that too. Usually the wisdom leads to the big bank account. Wisdom will, uh, will guide you. Wisdom will offer you long life, riches, and honor. You, you will be satisfied in all your ways. It's like a tree of life to those that embrace her, Proverbs 3.13. Number six, the golden altar of incense, the sixth building block that we incorporate into our lives is this revelation of building a strong prayer life, right? We got to get past just knowing, now I lay me down to sleep kind of level prayers. If that's where you start, God will somehow make that work for you. But your goal as a believer is to... Teach me how to pray. I think 12 smart men asked the Lord that one time. Teach us how to pray, Lord. Go into the bookstore and ask Paula, Paula, what book would you recommend that can teach me how to pray? Prayers of faith, prayers of power, prayers that call down uh, the promises of God, prayers that resist the devil, prayers that make me more than a conqueror, prayers that teach me how to overcome in every uh, way of life. 
Amen. And uh, every time they did a sacrifice on the, in the, the daily sacrifice at the brazen altar happened twice a day. In conjunction with that, that's when they lit a new uh, incense to go up before the Lord twice a day. And, and it was a sweet fragrance to the Lord. And it's showing us that uh, morning or night, all day, all night, my prayers are, I'm just a prayerful person. Smith Wigglesworth, the great evangelist, said, I never pray more than a half an hour, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. It's a lifestyle. Amen? And so it takes our relationship with the Lord beyond theology. Amen? And it produces an affection and a faith and a confidence. Amen? So finally, the seventh place is the Holy of Holies, the seventh and final building block. And uh, it represents the presence of God with all of his grace, all of his love, all of his mercy, all of his blessing. And the key artifact inside the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant. And so when you come into God's presence, it's a covenant presence. He knows you, you know him at, at, at an intimate level. Why? Because all the way along, from the outer gates to the altar to the laver to the showbread to the menorah to the golden altar of incense, you've been cultivating and building something into your life. It's a lifestyle, so finally you can easily come into God's presence. Amen? And when you're in God's presence, fullness of joy. Nothing is impossible. All the things that God desires in your life seem attainable in God's presence. And that's why in Hebrews 4.16, uh, we're taught to come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. Uh, there you, I, we will receive his mercy, praise God, and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Aren't you glad God is a master builder? Amen. The, these seven things are foundational things. And so uh, I, I hope that it uh, something that you work on, all of us are working on, and it turns us into a walking, talking, mini tabernacle so that not only are we receiving, but we're also reflecting that mercy, that grace, that love to those who come into our orbit. Amen this morning.